Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. So uh, this, we're, we're back. We're back. We're back. We had a, we had a short break uh, after the Brighton Fringe. We did. To recover from the Brighton Fringe. And now we're back from outer space. We just walked in to find Paul McCauley with a look upon his face. Wow, our 70s disco lyric references are not on point tonight. Not particularly. No, so no. this, as you say, it's Paul McCauley. It is. Um, who uh, won an award. He did. The Brighton Fringe. Bug and we'll, Camp. And we'll chat about that and Bug Camp um, yeah. as we go on. It was actually a really lovely, it was a fun chat. It was great. Um we should acknowledge that our sound quality was not the hottest that it could have been. No, it, it's as if we recorded it in a tin. In a tin. Yes. In, in a tin buff or a, a tin In can? a tin can. You particularly sound like you're in a tin can, but luckily Paul sounds a bit better because, yeah. you know, he's the one that we want to <laughs> yeah. hear from not to say that we don't want to hear from you no but you've said the words now yeah he sounds a little better but you know it's a really lovely chat and we didn't want to deprive anyone of it no it's a lovely chat if once you can and it's as you say it's not that um awful it's not that annoying once you can get past the fact that it's a little bit echoey is that the right word yeah yeah then we're fine it's, it's a great chat and um lovely to listen to yeah i think we'll definitely have him back again yeah yeah, but not in a tin can. Not in a tin can. <laughs> Should we have a listen? <laughs> Let's have a listen. This is the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast, episode 19. Recorded today in the uh, Sweets and Babies Dukebox Theatre in Brighton or Hove, depending on where you decide that device line is. Uh, we're back after the Brighton Fringe. We took a couple of days off to recover. What a busy fringe it was. And uh, as we saw online, actually, it's been so delightful to see so many of our friends and colleagues uh, do very well from the fringe. Uh, we know people who got agents. We know people who uh, won prizes. And we know people who won the uh, New Writing South Best New Play Award. Uh, and that, that'd be you, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hello. hello. Hello, Paul McCauley. Hi. How are you? Yeah, Michelle and I uh, were having a conversation uh, earlier about how difficult it is for theatre practitioners uh, generally um, to big themselves up. So to introduce you uh, as sort of the, the winner of the Best New Play for New Writing South, that's not, it's better that I'm introduced than rather than you. It must be a more awkward thing to casually bring up the conversation. Yeah, I, that wouldn't have, I wouldn't have volunteered that, I don't think, yeah. because we don't really... You don't really do all of this creative performing kind of stuff, um, so you can talk about yourself. That's why you no. write it down, or you say someone else's words, or you direct someone else to do that, don't you? But even if, if we, before your first play, whatever, because you've written what, seven plays. Uh, uh, um, yes, I, I, uh, I think three full-length plays and some other bits, and I've directed quite a lot sure, of other yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you start out, you, there must be at least half a mind of going, oh. It would be useful to get a couple of prizes because then some more agents might see me or some more people might see my work. So even on a purely mercenary level, prizes, what do points, what do prizes make that they make agents? No. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah, maybe the thing. I, I, well, I, I'd be interested to hear about your perspective, but like certainly when you're 
you start writing, you, yeah. you, 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 you write for things, you write for competitions and yeah. prizes and that kind of thing, and you know, you get a stream of knockbacks. And I'm, personally, I'm in, I'm in a position now of thinking, well, I'm just going to get on and do whatever I need sure. to do. Um, so quite honestly, you know, um, winning the prize was um, a lovely incidental thing. Um, I drove for about five minutes, and now I'm thinking, right, we need to get on with that next thing. Yeah, of course. Uh, yes, of course, it's useful. Yeah. And actually, it's a bit of a, I don't know, it's it, it's a useful thing for for people who are outside of the sphere that you operate in. Yeah. Kind of have a window in on. Okay, well, someone else has rated that, um, and uh, it's a like form of validation, isn't it? That isn't you saying this? Yes. A form of validation which should not be taken as any kind of personal validation because mm. if you're looking for that then you've got some serious spiritual issues you need to work on. So <laughs> even before the prize there was good there was good chatter in the threads about our camp. Um yeah, I think so. We uh yeah, I mean I think there's a couple of things in that there I mean it hit a, a couple of years previously it had won some uh, R&D work through yeah. the Tobacco Factory Theatre in Bristol um, so we spent some time developing the script there so that was already an early kind of um, uh, kind of encouragement for, for, for the piece and then um, it was produced uh, and I directed it's under the banner of Broken Silence Theatre yes. which is myself and Tim Cook and some other creative associates yeah. um, and this is uh, Bug Camp represents I think it's our fifth year at Brighton Fringe, which sure. has been our sort of debuting spot for, for new work. And, you know, and, and we've, we've had a, a quite a you know, evolutionary journey, we feel like every year we kind of try to do a little bit better. So um, there was a bit of anticipation around around the company yeah. as well, which is really nice. So those yeah. two things kind of came together quite nicely, I think. And there were uh, people listening who might be, if they haven't been regular playwrights, or even if they have been regular playwrights, and might be somewhat disturbed by the idea that this, as a piece of new writing, existed in some form in an earlier version two years prior, but that's how long it takes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As some caveats in that, I guess. But uh, yes, um, I, I think I sit on things a long time anyway. Okay. That's part of my process. Uh, but uh, uh, so, so, and I think that's it for them. So, mm. as part of your writing process, it's in this is not to say hard and fast or what an observation of what you just said that it's important to not be working on the project for a while and, and be doing something else and then come back to it later. Is that yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, so I, I had a stage where like. I was going. I was trying to write my magnum opus, yes. which is going to be an amazing screenplay, and um, it's going to. And I poured everything into it, and it was the only thing I worked on, and and it didn't work because yeah. um, for whatever reason. Um, but anyway, but the point is, I really kind of learned the lesson of um, yeah, you've got to commit yourself to to, to a piece, but you've got to have more than one thing going yeah. on, really, and um, things have their own sort of ebbs and flows that you need to kind of come back to. Um, so yeah, I, I I think not getting caught up on one thing and, and letting things sit. I don't sure. know how that is with you, but you know you lose perspective. I lose I lose perspective after a while on certain things. I um, tend to be working about fourteen different things at once. Yeah, <laughs> all good advice and guidebooks and perceived wisdom tells you is a terrible terrible thing, uh, but it appears to be the way that I'm able to operate. Yeah. Um, I, did you magnet? Um, did you magnet? Oh, did, it, did it have unicorns? 
Yeah, they had, no, it didn't have unicorns. Go, that's no, that was oh, rainbow vomiting unicorns. It feels so obvious now, actually. Yeah. That third act really would have come alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah with the unicorn chase. Damn well, it. Unicorn chase, even better. Yeah, well, I mean, you say unicorns, I hear chase. So um, I might go and read that. Unicorn chase. I guess that was a little bit. <laughs> a little bit terrifying because the yeah, unicorn chase. When I mean, they are already armed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's chased by unicorns. It's like um, like a cap or no, an army with spears yeah, when yeah. coming after you. Isn't that's not? Yeah, that's not a happy picture. No. Your nightmares no. must be something fantastic. Oh yeah, some interesting nightmares. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever bring nightmares into your writing? Have you ever uh, had my idea? Um, no. Oh god, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, it kind of goes. It's a bit surreal, doesn't it? In the nightmare yeah. dreamscape. Um, yeah, perhaps I, I don't know. I, I am. A, I, I do. I do think though that. Do you, okay. Here's a question. Okay, as a writer, yeah. do you ever get people ask you once they know that you know you're a writer? Um, oh, are you, are, you, are you taking notes about this for your next play or your next thing? Are you can write down what I'm saying. Oh, I see. Uh, yes, and particularly if I for a short while I was doing stand up. Right. And uh, the amount of people would say, ah. Oh, you should use me in the next, you know, your next stand-up and say, you know, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. You know, the funny. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 you're right, it is funny. So that was your response to that? It was kind of like, no. I, I think so, yeah. And, 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 and does that stuff kind of like emerge in your writing some ever? I know, there's, there's some people who always make me too angry. Right, okay. <laughs> that would never give them the credit of right. fictionalizing them in my work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I understand, I recognise what you're saying, but I don't know if that happens so much now. I wonder if, certainly at the level that I'm at, that outside of sort of um, Bryson and Edinburgh, whatever, my name admittedly is not that well known. And so yeah, I'm not um, any number of famous writers mm. where it's such a, a mainstay of the conversation. I, I wonder if that I try as. Earn a bit more with plays that I would know international or whatever, yeah. that uh, that would become a more regular thing. Yes. I know, yeah, I, I, yeah. But I, I say it because, like, so the whole dream thing, like, people are say, oh, is, is this thing going to, you know, that happened today going to go into the writing? And my answer is like, no, because yeah. it's boring. <laughs> but actually, in five years' time, who can say? Yeah, indeed. Actually, when it percolates through the whole subconscious and all of that kind of thing. So, uh, but anyway, but all of that is to say that uh, who knows what is subconsciously going to manifest Absolutely. in some thing somewhere. It's a similar sort of thing that a lot of um, comedians and satirists are being continually told at the moment, oh, this is a banana time for you now, isn't it? With, with Trump and with Siraj and whatever, you've got a whole wealth of things to write about. To which the general answer is, well, no, because they're already doing it. Yes, exactly. Uh, the, the, the whole fabric of how that thing worked back in the 90s and naughty or whatever yeah. has fallen apart completely. Yeah, I can, I can imagine it's a nightmare for comedy writers in, um, you know, the sort of satire area trying to navigate where they are, you know, yeah. with, it's just bizarre. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I think that's a whole lot of, which is seeing this unhinged continuum of, yeah weird events and yeah it's uh yeah trying to put that in any kind of narrative kind of context is well yeah <laughs> maybe in five years well you, you were saying earlier uh, you were saying uh, you were asking me as a writer um and i found that an interesting phrase how 
do you respond to that? You know, you've uh, sort of spoken about the new rising prize, you won uh, money for sort of research and development for various things. Um, when people say, oh, Finn, you're all right. Um, James. That's <laughs> you know James. I do know He's, James. He's a lovely boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when people say to you, oh, oh, oh you're all right, sir. Is there a part of you that feels uh, at a little level of imposter syndrome? Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a frequent reader of um, articles that, you know, from other writers yeah. saying, if you write, then you're a writer. Yeah, I am. Um, and all of those kind of self embickening yeah. things. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's a long, that's a long, uh, that's a long journey to make. And I think it's, um, and it's not just writers, is it? I think no, it's any kind of creative, any art, well, artist. Shout out to my friend, Vicky. Yeah. But it's difficult to say, oh, I'm an artist. Uh, but that, 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 that is, that is, that, that is the journey to kind of make your peace with that, I think, isn't it? To I guess kind so. of say, um, but yeah, a little bit of imposter yeah. syndrome. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, a retroactive label. It's like, well, what have I spent the last, well, 20 years doing sure I think oh well, there you go I must be then yeah you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know that's yeah you were speaking about um, part of the process of writing you know, the development is getting the knockbacks of mm-hmm. um, things not being as successful um, what is that for you and how does that how do you cope with that um, are you able to sort of uh, such a thing as taking notes and going no that's you're right that pain is it that the middle 10 minutes is weak or when something's a bit closer to the success and then get the knockback, how does mm. one cope with that? Yeah, that's coping strategies. Interesting. Well, there's always the local pub. Yeah. So that's better. But well, before catastrophizing that far, well, I suppose there's um there there are there's different types of knockback. Sure. There's a you know, there's the, you don't hear anything and you're not even sure that you actually submitted to the bloody thing yeah, because yeah. you've had no response. There's that, which is absolutely kind of useless. And yeah. I, with respect to the limited resources in the arts, a little bit rude, I think. Anyway, <laughs> that's my, whatever. Um, and then there's the, um, yeah, thanks, it's not for us kind of thing. And then there's more detailed feedback. I don't know. I mean, in terms of like feedback, like anyone who says anything about anything you've done, you know, on one hand is absolutely useless and, and, and at the same time is totally useful and must be at least considered. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, I try, try to listen to all that stuff, but to be honest, it's kind of my journey with that whole thing has been to, um, try to get out of, I mean, I, I've, I've definitely been at places where I felt like really in a really passive position. Yeah. You know, if you're a writer, just, you're sending stuff out, you know, please someone enable this in the sure. world and you feel that you're at the, the whim of some, I don't know, we always have some kind of fat controller at the commissioning yeah. or whatever, Faces literary something. Yes, exactly, that kind of thing. And actually, but, but all of that energy, uh, I, I feel, has really spurred me on and I, and I see people around me spurs them on to yeah. just, well, make it yourself, you know, and prove it yourself yeah. and understand it yourself, you know. Someone says something doesn't work in a script you've written. Well, put it in front of an audience, and then you'll find out. Sure. Yeah. Um, and actually, I find that hugely enabling. So, at the mo- I don't know. At the moment, I kind of say, well, you know, if someone reads it and they like it, and something happens, then that's nice. But otherwise, 
I've got my own plan. I'm yeah, get on with that really. So and your plan in terms of, I mean, uh, as a writer, obviously that's a could be a very fairly solitary activity. It's just you and whatever medium you write via. Uh, but I think that a couple of the um, pieces that you've uh, created have been for um, stuff like uh, the rice block or um, script space. You know, things that are not say competitions, but they are. Things that are put in place to help emerging writers. Um, how useful is that as a spur? I think so. I've got, I've got a, um, I think yeah, the, the solitary writer. Um, it's I, I I especially now I think it's as as far as you are able to do it, it's absolutely important to engage with the rest of the network and yeah. the ecosystem going on around you. I, People can be purely writers or purely whatever. Most of us wear many, many hats nowadays yeah. because that seems to be the way we have to operate. But um, I think you need to engage with those sort of other disciplines because they inform your own. Yeah. So I think any kind of um, opportunity or forum that brings people together, you know, like, like you know, is it, if it's a, a scratch night or some kind of uh, other kind of writing workshop where you're kind of encountering this, you know, actually road testing the stuff, I think... That's really important, and for me personally, I, 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 yeah, I mean, don't you know? If, if we wanted to write, just write, 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 and then just kind of sit at home writing novels, yeah. right? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't write something that then and then follow that through? I mean, like yourself, Andrew, you you know, you write sometimes to direct, or as yes. you direct, you know, is this you know? And I kind of think there's, I mean, my uh, my experience is like. You know, when the writing gets really, really hard, it's like, oh, shh. Can I swear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, though. Yes. The, the feeling's gone. Uh, uh, but, yeah, when the, writing, when the writing gets really hard, it's like, um, I, I wish, wish I was with a group of people who I sure. could share this with and, yeah. you know, have collective responsibility for it. And sometimes when you're a room full of people and you need to lead and offer some yeah. kind of vision you kind of think oh man if it was just me in the coffee shop right now yes this would be so sweet um so yeah it's kind of the grass always greener a little bit but i think it's really important i think it's important to kind of get into a room with other people with it and because you, know. you have you are you direct into your own work with bunker yes yeah um, how, how is that to direct your own work well okay so i don't know if i've missed something like Really, okay. Well, okay, to come back with the question, yeah, right. Um, so my impression is that there's an expectation in theatre that that is not the usually done thing to direct one's own work, but if you look in other sort of areas, like I don't know, we're sending like a film, for example, yeah. it's absolutely accepted that you know you have writer directors, and I, and I and I wonder why that is. I think that quite often there have been uh, writer-directors or director-actors who have appeared in their own work, and so there's three jobs being taken by one person, and sometimes that can come across as somewhat egotistical. And I know that I've often directed my own work, and so I'm acutely aware of the, the possible prejudice. There's a possible counter-argument that if you don't trust somebody else with your own words, perhaps your words are clear enough. So I think that tends to be the argument. Um, I've certainly found when I've been directing my own work when an actor 
I said, oh, I'm going to do it like this because I think uh, this character, she recently has had this happen to her. And I never had that occur to me with writing, but um, that actor has told me more about the play mm. in her reaction to it than I did in writing it. Oh, you know, that is, that is what the play's about. I didn't know that before, even though I wrote it. Uh, I think that can sometimes happen. Um, I don't know, I think that there's that prejudice of against um, actor directors is perhaps less than it was. Mm. Yeah, I don't... I, I think it, you know, whatever it is, the slashies or the hyphenates, yeah. you know, the world that we live in yeah. now and all of that um, in the creative kind of, uh, well, I, I think, yeah, it probably is more accepted. But yeah, I still haven't quite, I, yeah. And I, and I do I do see the value of, of those arguments. And there's certainly something about, you know, uh, taking something on to direct that you've written, not seeing the opportunities in it, in the yeah. material that other uh, another director might. There, there is that. There is the ego thing. I mean, I feel it's not coming from that, but no. Yeah. Anyone with an ego probably would say that, wouldn't they? But uh, so there is that. But I don't know. I don't know. For me, it's um, yeah, it's it's kind of I don't, sometimes I feel like a script is a bit of a of a calling to let's get in a room and have this conversation. Sure. Yeah. And I'm really into it. I, I, that's the it is the best bit. The rehearsal room is just the most joyful place to yeah. be. Um, I'm depending on material, uh, <laughs> uh, but in in terms of like that creative exploration, working collaboratively, and and you know creating the space where we can all kind of you know interrogate these ideas. Yeah, and stuff like that. yeah I, I love that. And, and um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm writing scripts to as a ticket to kind of get into that. I don't know. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's only a shorthand to uh, a joyful rehearsal process will probably result. Mm. Um, in a really um, strong and audience-pleasing, audience-challenging mm-hmm. uh, production. Uh, you were saying that it can be a joyful rehearsal process, uh, um, depending on the, the material, depending on the script, uh, which leads me to a leading uh, question. <laughs> uh, have, you, have you worked on a script that has perhaps not been um, a wonderful script? And even if you can't directly answer that question, um, how would you, what skills would you employ the director if you are the other script that's either not that great or certainly challenging? Yeah, ooh, that's a yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot in that question. Um, <laughs> so, oh, well, unfortunately, I don't think I've had the experience of like, oh my god, what I'm going to do with this. Yeah. Um, I've been lucky enough to kind of have directed um, uh, things that you know I felt some kind of affinity uh, for, but. Um, I don't know. I, I I think. I mean, I, I am very attractive. I, like I, I go through like phases of sure. of, uh, of um, real uh, uh, appreciation of certain ways of looking at things. Um, there's inevitably a David Mamet quote um, <laughs> about um, you know the director's job is just to get out of the way and the yeah. actors get on with the job. Um, and I like that. I, and I think there's I think it's just a responsibility to kind of um, help. Uh, create the space where actors can connect with the material, yeah. and, and in that, I think there's, there's there's got to be. I mean, for me, like I can't get along with something and work with it unless it sort of uh, resonates with me yeah. on some kind of you know real you know level of truth. I know that sounds well. well that's something. Yeah, because yeah, we were speaking to both the writer and the director. Mm. Um, 
and it is the right to order it. So what sort of material that you create, what of you direct, does resonate with you? What sort of ideas, what sort of plots are you attracted to? What do you like to investigate? Um, okay, so I like, I like, so uh, I, I suppose they're um, opposition. So yeah, the everyday and the extraordinary. And it's, it's obvious, but you know, if, if something happens on a, you know, a normal street, there's absolutely extraordinary. I'm interested yeah. in you know that sort of stuff invading that space. I'm interested in. Um, I I I find it very difficult when people say you know you like comedy or drama because you need both. They're yeah. like they're light and shade, don't you? So yeah. anything that plays to the extremes of, of those things and you know um, and is daring in the way it does that is very interesting yeah. to me. Um, yeah. I don't know, I, yeah, I, I just like to be surprised. I mean, who, I mean, who doesn't like to be surprised? But um, Very nervous people. Yeah, yeah. Some people don't, actually. They people don't. with phobias, like packing boxes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. some people just like to, like... <laughs> <laughs> some people like to, um, yeah, just watch a Jack in a Box for an hour, stay in the box, yeah. and, and then go to the bar. That's... I did visit a tweet, somebody said that when they die... They want their coffin edging slowly down the aisle so the tune of pop goes the weasel very, very slowly. <laughs> I love that. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I like that kind of thing. Yeah. Write that in. <laughs> yeah, genius. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I love. Yeah. Goes the weasel, um, Kevin Talkin. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it, so it is, um, because you were talking about uh, as soon as you got your uh, award, you were thinking about the next thing. Uh, which is a trope that I recognise about always in that three things ahead. Yeah. Um, so, in theory, in 2017, Bug Camp is the the pinnacle of your work. It's what all the other plays have been moving towards. Uh, but also, in theory, actually, that's, that's gone now. You think it's sort of multiple productions as a group, but it indeed will do. The next three plays are going to be the pinnacle of what you can write. Mm. So, all of which is a roundabout way of asking. In what way are you a different writer for Bug Camp than you were for something like Mankind or something like that said earlier? Uh, um, but there is, with, I mean, with anything, if it's like something, you know, like an award or a good review or yeah. even a, a good comment, there is a degree of encouragement sure. about the value of um, you doing the work that you like to do. And especially when you kind of feel like, oh, a bit of a risk here. Yeah. Does anyone get with it? I don't know. So that's encouraging. So yeah, so I'm encouraged to kind of, you know, go bigger at home. Yeah. You know, be bolder in, in, in that. Um I I I don't know in terms of uh the maybe the style but not necessarily the sort of area the kind of place set in. I think there's a I don't know there's a foraging cloud there. Um, yeah, but I, I think I would. I, I imagine I would probably want to go and do something different, and, and, that, yeah. and that's the point, isn't it? So don't just you know don't find uh, don't make a good album and then make the same sure. second album and keep doing the same thing. But you know, status quo had a great career. So, so we're all working. <laughs> what 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 band should we yeah. diss? Yes. Yeah, um, uh, difficult second album. Or, or what album? Uh, what, what band should we um, model ourselves on? You know, if, if you were to try to map your desired writing evolution onto the career of a recording drawing band, 
know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the stock scan answer, which wouldn't surprise anybody who knows me, is not to be a band, but I think like, like Kate Bush, mm. um, simply because she starts out difficult and not leading <laughs> the band at all, not there, and then goes on her own. And each album is essentially a different album. Uh, she is trying out different things. Um, and so that's what, yeah, because you might go in a particular way, you might decide that you're going to go, oh, I know it's going to be um, lots of short staccato sequences, because that's, that, that's the, the mode of that play. And then you might get seduced by that, and go, oh, that's what, that's how I write now. Mm. Uh, actually, then the next play it might be much more lyrical, a much more smooth ride of actually, you know what, it's a, it's a single scene that lasts an hour, but a single scene. Yeah. And so, I guess that's a question, it's almost a loaded for an obvious answer, <laughs> but do you find that the style that you're going to bring to a play, um, if you are trying to avoid having a style that is the Paul McCauley style, do you find that the style is dictated by the content of the plot? Uh, I, think in, I think inevitably there is a style, some of which I probably take for granted that people do pick up on, yeah. and other bits which I think are going under the radar and people go, well, that he's doing his thing again, sure, yeah. probably. What is your um, I, I don't really know. Okay, so there's um, a friend who uh, came to see Bug Camp yeah. who actually, in, in, in a very tangential way, inspired me to write it. Yeah. And um, and she uh, she came along to see it, and I was like, really happy to have her there and really wanted to see how um, you know, she experienced it. And afterwards, she was like, she was, she was very positive, she really enjoyed it, and she said, it reeked of you. Uh, I, 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 so yeah. if we could phone her up, um, yes, maybe she'd be able to sort of um, pinpoint what those things were. Yeah. Um, but I don't. Uh, yeah, so I don't. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are things. I mean, I think you've got to. Um, as you were talking there, Andrew, I was inspired by you know. It's nice to set yourself a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what if it was in one room? What if the, sure, yeah. one person never spoke? Or I don't know, what of those those kinds of things. Just to tickle yourself. And on the same tickling yourself note, like seriously, it's, I just it's, I just like making myself laugh. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, that's 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 it really. Here's a bit, you come from please yourself really. Challenge yourself and try to write the thing that you would like someone to be doing, right? Maybe. What are the things that make you laugh? What are programs or plays or novels that have make you laugh? Uh, uh, got um. Well, that's yeah. That's look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw a very good play last night. Yeah. Um, at the five hundred three. Yes. Called Pumps uh, by Sarah Page. Yeah. Um, Fantastically funny, uh, and very, very grounded, very, um, very emotionally true. But yeah, it's um, ex- and there's some really awkward um, <laughs> moments in it. Uh, that's good. Uh, uh, I mean, for some reason, when you say like that, I, I go towards like television. Sure. Yeah. I don't know why, um, but I don't know. yeah, I, I do like stuff like. I guess Marty Bush. Yeah. Social London. Yeah. Um, so what we're talking about there, those three uh, examples, what we're talking about are things that are uniquely British. They are they are about the the, the British mm. experience uh, when you have the uh, over and out Asian actor. Of course, there are American and other actors that are like that, but um, Toast is a particularly British sort of character, mm. and also based on that actor's public how we see many. 
Yeah. Uh, and Gabarone is a particularly sort of Sean Houston um, type sort of experience. And Mike Rouge, I think, is again not something we see necessarily replicated anywhere else. No, no. Um, Very British. And they are, and they are to a certain extent, they are gearing towards. They're in the neighbourhood of the Gothic. They're in the neighbourhood of weird. In a, in a British Wickham, we're just after the summer solstice. They're in a particular Wickham way. Yes, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, that kind of Britishness. Oh, yeah, yeah, weirdness. Oh, and um, uh, Ben Wheatley. Um, yeah. Have you seen Prevenge? Pr- uh, um, I haven't yet. No, no. Um, just like that. It's just like where. Where else would that happen? Yeah, you know that. I'm, and, and whether or not, I mean, I'm not. I'm really not a horror. Uh, I, I, I can't quite. I don't think I've quite the comedy horror kind no. of intersection. But um, I appreciate that. Yeah. That it's just because it is just so. It's just so weird, and it is quite uniquely. Yeah, it's quite uniquely British. Did you see High Rise? Uh, no, I haven't no. yet. No, that's no. an interesting sort of thing. It's again, very British film. It's feeling like a modern-looking film that's. Peculiarly 70s, there's a whole sort of feel like a pattern mm. horror type book. Um, I, I was going to say, uh, in terms of when you're sort of writing this stuff and uh, finding things that are particularly your voice or things that you enjoy, are there moments in your writing where you go, Oh, I'm going to have to edit that out and have to cut that out? That's for me, it's not for any audience. <laughs> No, because I'm really generous. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm generous to everyone. Like, yeah. if, it, if it's for me, then it's for everyone. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely points where I kind of think, okay, this is gone. Yeah, I'm just sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do kind of use the metaphor like I'm t- like tickling myself. Yeah. No one else is kind of getting this. Yeah, it's only, it's only me. Um, yeah, probably. But more often, I probably, uh, as I'm writing, get into that. Say I don't know if it's, it's the same for you, but like, okay, I need this. This bit needs to do this. And I'm going sure. to write it. This is awful. This is shit. This is shit. This yeah. is so shit. Like I can't believe I'm. Oh, this is horrible. This is definitely getting cut. Um, that happens more often oh, yeah. than I, that other. I had to. I had today. I had the entire sort of few hours of going. Everything I'm writing will not end up in the finished script, but I need to get it there because I have no idea what the hell the plot is yet. Um, and I just need to get from one bridge to another bridge, sometimes quite literally. Um, <laughs> I was once writing a book and I had, I had a, a false um, time level, I had a false deadline, it was a Nana Rhyme, which is an international thing where you have to write a full length novel in a month, um, which does sort of guarantee that the, that resulting novel will not be of any quality whatsoever. <laughs> but it, uh, the main point of it is, for all of us procrastinating writers, it, it gives you a kick saying, no, you, you can write this, you need to you do this. So it averages out about 1,200 words a day And I need my lead character to go from one location to the other. And I spent about two days not writing because I couldn't work out why should we go? There's no, it would serve the story, but this character would have a reason to go there. So in the end, I just wrote the line, Alice didn't know why she write at night, but she did. And that broke the deal for me to go all the way down. Sorry. Um, I need that sometimes. Yeah, and actually, that's just really interesting. Like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested where, in, in a situation where the problems of the writer become the problems of the character. Yeah. Because that could actually be a real gift to you later yeah. on. You know, why did Alice, you know, when did she realise it? Yeah, I don't know. There's there's something about um, you know, 
don't know, make, make the characters complicit in the, the shit you're Absolutely. It's one of my favourite things about uh, the novel uh, The Time Child's Wife, mm. because she sets herself some, uh, the writer sets herself some very true and clear rules about what can and can't happen. And then it's a good portion of the novel is about her characters either solving those problems or not being able to solve those problems. And she's mm-hmm. always honest with herself. So the, the time-traveling characters uh, cannot travel with their own colleagues. So when they arrive in a new time zone, they're going to be naked. And that creates a whole new plot strand. And uh, also there's more than one time-traveling character. But we've been told, because of a variety of reasons, that that can't happen earlier. Mm. And so we are forced to work out, well, how can the second time-traveling character turn up? And then when that happens, and when we're told what the reason is, it's actually quite a lovely reveal, because she's hidden. It's not, it's not a get-out, it's not a cheat. She's hidden the, um, the reason in the early part of the narrative to when we read it and go, well, that's obvious, of course that's the way we yeah. want it's, it's, uh, Yeah, well, that's yeah, responding creatively to restrictions, yeah. which... Basically, it's been created for it, isn't it? I guess it's one of my. If, if somebody says to me, Oh, well, you need to write as you want, then I, I, I've got Oh, no, um, no, that's awful. But then I'm told it has to be in 1819 and has to involve fish. <laughs> Already, I'm sort of like, Okay, we'll see if that can work. I wrote this. I remember we had. Uh, I wrote this um, like short plays. Uh, yeah. It was like a. It's going to be in a series of kind of vignettes or whatever sure. around the yeah, thing. So we had this kind of like writers group kind of meeting about, well, what are you going to do? Like, what yeah. have I got to work with? Yeah. You know, kind of align up the ducks a little bit. Um, and I'm kind of like, okay, I've got two, um, two characters. Okay, I'll do that. Um, mine's going to have time travel and a triceratops in it. Yeah. That was it. And, and actively, like, and then it was like, well, how am I going to listen to any minutes? Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I love that kind of stuff. And I also like, um, I don't know if, if you ever do this, but, um, Making a commitment to the form of the or the structure of the thing sure. before you do it because that in itself is a restriction. Yeah, you know, like I'm go- yeah, like for example, well, going back to it's going to be set in one location or it's going to be real time or you know that. Kind of thing. Actually, I did that recently um, with a play for Cast Iron um, because they're all short plays, about twenty minutes or less, mm. and I decided that I was going to um, have my play that I was writing restricted to one room. Which to be fair, for most plays that are that length, that's probably going to happen naturally anyway. Mm. But when you start out from that restriction, when you start out, oh, that's actually part of the narrative that there's one room. And uh, for me, it was going to be um, a semi karaoke booth. And uh, it was also going to pass the vegetable test, which is no longer called the vegetable test, so I'm going to have to... I, I, oh, really? Oh, it's, it's, it's a secondary name that always gets forgotten. And so I apologise uh, to anyone who's listening for not remembering the second part of that name. Uh, but there's your test. Um, That's patriarchy in play. Isn't it just? Yes. Yeah. Just silence the name. Yeah. So us, us two guys name. talking about. Two white guys talking yeah. about. Yeah. Feminist narrative. Blocking the airways yeah. with our whatever. Yeah. 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 Privilege. Well, we, we say that sarcastically. I know. I know. Uh, but we say that sarcastically because we can. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Oh. But I'm a good person. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're all complicit. Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the the wonderful response to two fairly... <laughs> wonderful response of 
two fairly liberal um, artistic men who are even aware of the phrase vegetable test and write roles for women, and our response is, anyway. <laughs> That's it, in a nutshell. Yeah. Actually, what we were presenting there was a, a damning critique of the situation. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, um, <laughs> and this is a question for myself as much as for you because it's, it's an unfair question. Um, but I am genuinely interested in what my response might be, and I don't think I've got a good one. Um, and your response. Okay, then, so what the hell are we going to do about it? Um, about. Um, I mean, inequality, inequality, inequality. Yeah. Would that be for, uh, for gender, would that be for fame, would that be for anything? Um, because, you know, we, we have both. Between us, we've, we've churned out at least, what, 15 to 20 years of plays? Well, plays. you might have churned. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've opened a, a yeah. A, You've won a high-quality cheese factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's a really good, no, that is a really good question yeah. and a really, a really worthwhile question. And, um... Because my concern straight away is, mm. is, is you know, oh, uh, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to write more plays for women? Are we going to be uh, more iconic in our writing? Um, there's still a bit of a monster on my um, shoulder going, well, you could just shut up and let somebody else have a go. Yeah. That's, 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 is that legitimate? That is a legitimate thing. Um, I have to say, yeah, just to protect my own interests, <laughs> I think that's probably part of a solution. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, that is that is a genuine that is a uh, yeah a genuinely good point. Why not just shut up? I mean, you know, if it's any consolation, I do carry the guilt of, <laughs> of the of the middle class. Right? Yeah. Um. Uh. But you know, I think we have to work in the reality of the system that we're in. Yeah. So that is part of it. It's yeah. creating space um, and not hogging all of that. Um. And is recognizing, uh, you know. Oh, check your privilege thing. Yeah. But I mean, I, yeah, that's definitely something I ask myself. Well, I'm, I'm okay. So I'm, I'm very much interested in. I, I, I really enjoy writing um, female characters. Yeah. And writing for um, female performers. And there's two. Uh, I, uh, my my understanding of this is developed into kind of two strands. One, I don't know. Like for some reason, some people think it's some mythological art. It's not that you know people are just people who yeah. write the stuff. Um, anyway, so get over that. And the second thing is, um, on a purely practical level, as someone who's trying to create work in the world, um, for some reason, if, if you're a 20 something guy who's come out of drama school, you're more likely to get work than, yeah. the, than, uh, than a female actor. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with that. I don't know why that is necessarily. That's, that's a big thing. But anyway, but on a purely practical level, there's loads of really, really good people out there who need stuff. Absolutely. Like, you know, so right for that, you know, it's... Even on a purely mercenary level. Well, not even mercenary, well, mercenary, but on, on a, uh, you know, uh, a, you know, business level. Like, sure. You know, that, that's that's where there's there's a, there's a resource in the system, use it. Yeah. Um, and that might sound a bit mercenary, but, you know, that, that, is, that is the truth. But the... Um, so that, that's sort of one level in terms of gender. I mean, yeah, uh, BA, I mean, I think it's something I've been thinking about recently because obviously, you know, you, we're, we're in this, uh, the Brighton bubble, yes, the liberal bubble, yeah. uh, which is a bubble within a bubble. It is. Um, and I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm really aware of that um, because, 
Yeah, I, I, yes. And then there is something about, um, I, um, did you see Riz Ahmed um, addressing the Commons? Oh, yes, it? yes. Yeah, it's a fantastic, um, fantastically articulated um, sort of uh, perspective on, on why representation matters yeah. in media. And, and that, that to me kind of. Just to, um, to mm. qualify that for people who may not have seen that, so he was discussing about um, how non-white faces are represented in film TV. Yes, that's it. And, and, and he had some really very, very practical, like uh, several really practical arguments of why that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there, was, there, was a political, there was a political agent, I mean, he did talk about like um, disenfranchisement and yeah. radicalization, all that, that whole narrative. Yeah. Um, but he also talked about, you know, on an on, you know, on a, on a economic level, that there, there is, you know, uh, the balance of population and um, uh, the diversity of population it is shifting, yeah. and, and we need industries that uh, reflect and enable that. Um, just the prosperity that's yeah. just a pure, you know. So, and, and I, you know, I, that really did resonate, and I don't think I made any more sense of it. Um, and I, I maybe because I'm, <laughs> you know. Really yeah, that's part of it. But yeah, um, I, I yeah, I do think I am thinking about actually. Um, I mean, it, I mean, like for example, casting. So yeah. practical sure. decision. Like how do you cast? Or how do you open up casting? Like so, uh, I can't remember if this is uh, this is going up on on, 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 <laughs> on the conversation. But earlier when we had a, a slight gag about okay, let's open up. Let's make a gender bind yes. casting. Well, you know, how do you make something? Uh, colorblind yeah. casting. And my experience is actually in doing some casting um, is that you get um, to see a lot of the people that you expect to see. Yeah. You see a lot of drunk white trans school graduates. Yes. And I, 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 have, I, I have a question actually. Is um, do you have to be specific? I mean, is there an expectation in the sort of, sort of casting conversation that unless it says um, you know, we're looking for someone of um, Asian origin yeah. for this role. That that you know that those actors aren't going to go for the role because you know the narrative says actually that's going to go to you know some white performer. I, I don't. I don't know that that is possible. Is. Although yeah. it, it, it leads the concerning question that if um, the character is of color, if the character is a woman, if the character is um, gay. And that's literally part of their narrative. Mm. It's not incidental to their character. And I think that's the, um, for me, it's somewhat the, the holy grail that, um, not that it, 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 it honestly occupies my waking thought as a writer, but if there can be a character who's black and that's not relevant to the plot at all, yes. that's ideal. Uh, if the character is, because then what we're discussing, uh, again, as to white treatment, uh, is. Um, yes, yes, as it, as it goes. Um, but um, but thank you for asking. <laughs> but I guess the point being that we're still unfortunately at this point um, where anything other than white straight male is other. Yeah, and 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 that's yes, and and that's absolutely it. Um, you know, the, the assumption is that um, unless a casting says otherwise, yeah. then that's the default, and that is. 
Yeah, that's very challenging because that's some, you know how, how do you tackle that as an artist on the level of an artist trying to produce yeah. some work um, because there's some, a whole raft of ingrained assumptions yeah. about how things work to somehow um, navigate without you know um, <laughs> you know really wrong footing. Yeah. Someone yeah. yourself. Um, yes. Yeah, so in the casting notes, um, in theory, it should. In ideal world, it should be blind. It should be sort of, um, Sarah is a lawyer, and that's it. Mm. Um, I, I understand that there may be um, practical um, requirements in that she's taller than any other characters. Well, that's been announced sort of in problem your the way you cast every actor at. Mm. And so I can acknowledge that there are physical aspects or whatever that might. Um, Demand that you sort of put certain details into a casting notes, but it's a, um, I wonder how much that is a practical, practical issue in terms of if you don't define that, um, an aspect of the character, then you might only get, or the majority get, white people, um, Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I, yeah, I, 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 it, it, I'm, I mean, I'm, I think I'm working with a lot of assumptions on, you know, how people kind of uh, uh, read things. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, t- to go to a place of more positivity. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like if uh, if there was some way to create the opportunity where it was if it was more open, you just sort of seeing people like um, you had no idea might go for a certain role. Sure. You know, I. I, I Sometimes I have expectations about what the character might look yeah, like. Yeah. Sometimes I don't. Um, but the ability to be, to be surprised and to go with that, yeah. um, you know, throws up all sorts of, you know, added value. It's exciting, isn't it? Really, yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's um, unexpected and can take it to a, to another level. But, um, yeah, I have to say my, my feeling is that the, the way things work, where certainly in terms of casting, I've got, Yeah, I, I suppose it's um, yeah acknowledging what 
what you uh, what the position you have it you know what you know where you are yeah. and, and, and and I don't know and I guess as a as a writer we we've already been given the answer in about ten of our guidebooks of how to write a bestseller um, books which all say what you do is you read outside your comfort zone you don't just read the same stuff you go and seek out stuff that you wouldn't normally watch or isn't normally about you or in your voice. Uh, so that, that's at least step one, isn't it? That you sort of we we go out and all seek stuff that isn't necessarily for us. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Again, that's, that that feels very timely, doesn't it? It's yeah. um, you know, we're, we're we're living in at least a political landscape where um, you know, kind of in, in the reverberations of lots of voices that haven't been heard by yeah. certain people, you know, and we all have a part in that. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, I suppose as artists, yeah, yes. Absolute responsibility to kind yeah. of broaden the landscape. I, I was very. Um, I, I read uh, so the, you know the, the old uh, the old quote or whatever it is that uh, write what you know. Right? Yes. you know how that has been misinterpreted. Yes. It's like well, that's a narrow corridor. There's yeah. something about the responsibility in that is marrying the truth of your experience with something else. Yeah. Bringing that back around, yeah, it's, it's that opposite thing. It's like, this is what I know, and there's planted somewhere that's uh, sort of unknown. Uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, it's a generative act, and maybe in that sort of cross-pollination or whatever yeah. dialogue you create and you understand, yeah. that's, that's not really what we're trying to do. I think it? so, yeah. I think, that, I think I actually know throughout that entire last 60 minutes of conversation, I felt horrifically naive, and I felt like I had to do my homework, and I didn't know what I wanted to know. Mm. One of my fifteen-year projects. Oh, now I've got a sixteen project. I need to do my homework. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but it, it went straight off the fringe. It went up to point. Yeah. That's uh, I think that's going to um, fascinate um, smaller companies. You said that um, uh, broker science is essentially three people. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah so, um, just to say about broker science. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. So it's founded by um, Tim Cook and. And myself shortly afterwards, uh, yeah. uh, and then we have um, uh, uh, James Nichols, our marketing guy, yeah. and Aaron Knight, who's our uh, technical, and we have a, an associate artist, um, yeah. Karis Martin. So there's, yes, there's a, a growing collective, yes. So is that how, because uh, I know that companies who are maybe like six years behind you or whatever, or even smaller um, mm. companies, will be fascinating. Oh, is that how it happened, that your marketing guy just contacting local firms up around London or whatever and got you the next gig. So I th- um, each thing is, yeah, I mean, each process is, is sort of its own thing. Sure. But what, what emerged and having, you know, each, each, so each year we've been uh, running, which is we're in our fifth year now, we debuted the show that was yeah. right fringe. And then in some way or another, that has uh, led to some other kind of like yeah. for the show, usually somewhere in London or something. Um, <clears throat> so, and that's kind of come, come, become our model. That's yes. kind of, you know. Uh, so, I mean, so for PubCamp, for example, like, I mean, it, I, you probably know what this is like. You, you, you spend all your resources um, and creativity and like, yeah. getting ready for that bright and fringe thing, and then four dates done. Yeah. That's it. Um, so, uh, so the, the, doing the, the dates at the Theatre uh, Utopia, which is a actually shout out to the Theatre Utopia in yes. Croydon, which is a fantastic new venue and very, very receptive yeah. to new work and working in a, in a neighbouring way with new artists and yeah. companies. So, if anyone's looking for 
you know, stepping into that space, um, going to speak to those guys because they're very, very good to work with. Um, so that was a little bit like, well, you know, we're going to have a show. Yeah. We will. Let's, can, can we go somewhere else and, yeah. um, you know, you know, play that? And there's, there's a, uh, a theatre company, you know, part of the, just keeping yourself sustainable is growing the audience yeah. space. So yeah. there's a little bit of, you know, that as well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a bit of a practical thing. So like, Worked up the show, let's take it somewhere else. Indeed, yeah. 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 The reason I'm particularly interested in Fate uh, Utopia is as you take the new theatre, um, French theatre in Croydon, mm. I myself am a Croydon boy. Um, and um, Fate Utopia did not exist when I was growing up in uh, Croydon. Uh, there was a warehouse theatre, iconically, there's a warehouse theatre uh, that people used to be next to um, East Croydon train station. But other than that, apart from a couple of years, one off nights in um, pubs, there was no sort of thing necessarily as a fringe theatre ethos in Croydon. Um, and if um, this is one to um, tell me that I'm wrong, I'm likely delighted. Uh, although I would question the advertising skills of those fringe companies at the time <laughs> I was there. Um, I grew up with um, Croydon Youth Theatre Organisation, uh, that's how I started and um, sort of directed and acting and writing, uh, but that was genuinely a youth theatre. Uh, but in terms of fringe theatre, I wasn't aware of that in Croydon. So it's quite lovely to have that sort of um, being formed now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, so the warehouse, and it was, there was, so I, was, I was speaking to uh, one of the guys who, who founded the, the theatre there, and I yeah. think the warehouse went, and there was another one that recently, or fairly recently, sort of disappeared. Yeah. And I think, um, so they, uh, they saw a sort of a shop sure. and... Um, I think, I think actually they reclaimed some equipment from one of the um, older okay. theatres there yeah. and, and, you know, kind of put it back. Well, I the Fairfield is undergoing some uh, long ride refurb at the moment. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't really, I, and actually, I mean, to my shame, I hadn't sort of spent a lot of time in Crawley. In Crawley, no. Crawley. I spent some time in Crawley, actually, yes. Well, we'll talk about that. That sounds like the beginning of us, Donald Brickman, and sort of poem, I spent some time in Crawley. I shall never do it again. <laughs> I wonder who knows the cloud. But you know, well, Corey's another place. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really encouraged when to, to hear that story of, uh, of like the guys uh, who, who found the theatre utopia. Yeah. And actually, some people I know in, in Corey were there that, you know, um, you know these, these things spring up. You know, I, it makes me think about, um, you know, I wonder if scarcity is actually. Essential. So, similar to the restrictions for a writer. Yeah, totally. Because okay, so what, does, uh, what are the five things that any start-up uh, theatre company with not much money or even venues to them? Uh, what, what, uh, they don't have to be um, tangible things, they mm. can be attitudes. What five things does a, does a theatre company need to, to survive its first couple of years? Uh, I think shows. <laughs> oh, no, okay, no, so that's important not, there. Yes. In terms of, because they... Um, very exciting, uh, mainly of entirely new writing. Yes, yeah. entirely new writing. That's absolutely, yeah, absolutely, is yeah. objective. But shows, and, and, and in that, I mean, um, I think, like for me, the company formed because you know, someone said, well, we'll do a show, sure. and next year we'll do another one. Oh, this feels like a thing. It's not just so, one show per year, is it? It's uh, it's it's kind of I mean actually this this I mean twenty seventeen is actually in our biggest year. I think we're doing four shows yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, 
So it yeah, kind of flexible. It seems to be growing. Really good. Yeah. But I, I, yeah. So I, I, I think, but being led by the project rather yeah. than trying, okay, I'm going to form a company identity because okay. you know, I, I think any kind of you know creative collective is, is formed forged in the fires of sure. that collective, trying to realise that one thing, and yeah. maybe there's another thing, and it, it works, it works, it doesn't, yeah. it keeps going. Um, so I don't think you can reinforce that. Like we're going we're gonna to institute a company, and we're going to have a constitution, and all of that. Um, I don't know how it works for me anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing. Um, I, 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 would, I would say a, a little bit of ambition, I think, yeah. because, uh, again, growth is part of that. If you're always trying to do some stretching yourself a little bit and that puts people in the space of that collective endeavour. That's nice, isn't it? We, we can be all sort of noble and artistic, mm. uh, but if we're not literally pushing ourselves a bit, then we're probably not going to be artistic and noble. We're going to be complacent. Yeah, I, 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 yeah this, this speaks to, to me about, you know, that, um, you know, creativity um, it is... Uh, I'll tell you what, creativity. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, no, no. Creativity is is the creation of something, so it can only exist in the absence of something else. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. You have to continue to put yourself in, in in a position where you're not sure what you're doing. Or, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's essential really to keep. You know, otherwise, I don't know. That does. I I I, I apologise for beating, <laughs> beating the same drum. I was reading a quote from somebody earlier in the year. I forget her name. Um, director, um, uh, quite you know, significantly famous director, actually. Um, and she was saying one of the main differences between a male director and a female director is the permission to say in words, "I don't know what I'm doing." Oh, really? Um, yeah. So, so uh, hang on. Uh, so, the, who, who I, can? I, 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 you and I, I, I certainly not I, and I get the impression you would feel comfortable walking into a rehearsal room, going. We're winking, we're we've seen, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. And that being celebrated as genius, being celebrated as being freeform, being celebrated as somebody who's not going to be nailed down to his ideas. Whereas this director argued, and I think I would, I am at least sympathetic to the view, if not outright agree with her, that it's more difficult for a female director to say that and not be judged for it. That's, um, oh, that's, you know, that's. That really speaks to me, and I feel I have a bit of a sinking feeling. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm no, so no, sorry. I, I do, because I think, yeah, but it's absolutely important. I think, um, uh, you know, that, that whole process, the rehearsal process, you know, and, and the job of the director, I think, is to be able to exist um, in a space of uncertainty yeah. so that everyone else can get on with their job. Yeah. And you can't step into that space, you know, um, and, and, and acknowledge how you feel, you know, you're sort of diminished by being able to say that because yeah. of, you know, the, the, the way that... I guess because of other people's insecurities. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. That, that, that feels like, that's what, that's, that's, that's what it's about. And yeah. it's a really important, and I think, I think it's, it's important and uh, difficult, and I think noble thing to kind of say, yeah. I don't know, but I think the next step might be this. Yeah. So we'll do that, and that's how we're going to get there. Yeah. And I'll and I'll I'll hold that. Yeah. So that you can you know be blunt. Explore. Age, yeah. age forty five. Yeah. Um, from Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> so you do you do can tell the time you write them, but they always just have the Tennessee Williams. Um, yeah, the milk train of <laughs> 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 let's, let's try and lighten the mood here. Yeah. Um, 
please. Self harm out of the room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what, what else uh, does a, um, the aspiring young theatre company, or young man, that is something new, have to do to survive? I think, okay, well, so for me, um, making it, I think making it collaborative, and I know yeah. that sounds like obvious, but I mean, like, you don't need to know everything. You don't have to tell people what the vision for things is. People know how to do their job, and you just need to create the space for them to come and do that in a fun way. You know, um, you know, it, it's, it needs it needs it needs to be taken seriously, and it's yeah. hard work, but it needs to be fun. That's definitely yeah. an important part of it for the way out of work, anyway. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think support and be supportive. You know, yeah, there's, you know, don't keep yourself sort of hunkered into your own little thing, you know, reach out, you know, champion the work that you love and, you know, yeah. support that and, and uh, you know, we're all, we all need it, don't we? I think so. Um, we're particularly um, soapboxy about that, about sort of really sort of like enjoying and finding joy and having good work. In, I know, I, I, for a long time, uh, for a long time, uh, Believe sincerely with no sense of um, ulterior motive that you, you champion the, the people who, in blunt terms, might be your closest competitors. Mm. Uh, you know, the ones who uh, you are supposed to be jealous of. But you can be jealous of if you want, but also recognize why you're jealous of them and celebrate them and cheer them on. Um, yeah. Because, not that I, this is the same reason why I do it or that we do it, but I'm just quite bitter. Well, there's, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what's the liberalism? Yeah, I, I think, li- yes, live in a positive state, give it all away. Yeah, love, love things. There was um, uh, a tweet. Yeah. Of course, there was a tweet. Um, <laughs> the designer, Oli, Oli Moss, he said, yeah. um, the only career advice I can give anyone is to surround yourself by with people who. Um, uh, make you feel stupid. Oh, that's lovely, yeah. And, you know, and, and there's something, I mean, there's something nice about that. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, oh, wow, you know, mm-hmm. suck it up and all of that kind of stuff. People like, will spur you on. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, well, it's that sort of thing. It's the positive side of when you're watching a play or reading a book or watching a film where you believe that it uh, could be done better and your base reaction is, oh, I could have done that. Mm. The positive sense of that. Oh, I, I could have done that. Yes. And then you move on to do your version of that. Or, or even like that bit was really How yeah. did they do that? Yeah, sure. That, you know, whoa. Um, how do I, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, figuring that out. Um, and and it, uh, another thing that occurs to me is, um, I don't know, yeah, how, how people um, develop on their own journeys. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, um, you know, Everyone who comes together to do something is, is on their own journey, has got their own, you know, goals and stuff like that. And how do you, I mean, if, if you're a director, director showreel for someone. Yeah. A company is just a collection of yeah. people is yeah. trying to achieve uh, what they want to in the world. So, yeah. This is all very lovely. Well, does it pay well? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Absolutely not. And that's the other thing. Give up on the idea that you're going to get paid for it. Okay. Um, How serious is that? Because there's, there's going to be a, 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 um, a, a consensus of servants in the force as a thousand people sucking their teeth in, in rage. Um, because surely we should value ourselves. And surely we should we recognise that we are um, 
we're trained people of our formulas is actually mm. this story. And the story is had value. So um, although I largely agree with, with the phrase, give up on the idea you made a pay for it, we can't surrender that entire story. No. It's a, I think we have to exist in the tension between recognising the value yeah. and understanding that um, I don't think the system really values it enough for you to pay. It kind of goes a little bit back to kind of the point I made about um, uh, about uh, I think there needs to be scarcity in order for things to be created. Yeah. You know, if everyone's getting paid for it, um, I read this, uh, I can say about um, the impact of state sponsorship yeah. on artistic endeavour. And basically, ultimately, then you're just serving a master. Yeah. But as long as you're independent, as long as it doesn't matter if you get paid, then you can say whatever you like, yeah. and that will be. It is valuable, it will be recognised. And, and although that doesn't help people who are trying to make things in terms of paying the rent, yeah. uh, I think it does help the integrity of what they're trying yeah. to do. And, and if, if something's, I do believe also that if something's really useful, it will be you know, rewarded. Even um, if I, that thing itself doesn't get paid for, then it will lead to the next thing that does it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, though, I don't think it should be a motivator at all. Yeah. I think. Um, I think and the other thing is about value as well, you know, uh, the value, you, you need to have an artist, a sense of your own value as an artist, independent yeah. of any monetary yeah. uh, compensation. And um, and you need to also need to recognise the value that you create is in that as well. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah, you're feeling, a, you know, well, we know what the last looks like, 50 seats, 10 pounds, <laughs> whatever, da 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 what's that, you know, worth? But actually, you, you don't know. No. Lands with you. Well, that's, you know, there's, there's something ephemeral about that value. And I'm, I don't know, maybe that's not, you know, that sounds a bit kind of <laughs> for people, but I want to get in the world where they have a physical personality. Well, that's a, that's a delightful um, segue into our second hour conversation, <laughs> uh, which we're, we're not going to have time for. No, so, oh, so shame. We're, we're going to have to um, get you back on the podcast to talk about yeah, lovely conversation. Say, say fun, fun <laughs> and, uh, All these things uh, I have no idea. Yeah, about. I, I have no idea at all. No. Um, so I think as a writer, to have, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I have an opinion. Yes, that's it. And maybe yes. Yeah, and I ventured it now. Yeah. Now, gather you round this, this campfire and trash it. Well, let's talk about where, <laughs> where people gather. Because we, we, we talk about, um, on each podcast, we ask our uh, guests uh, where in Brighton they are likely to uh, be sat, being creative, uh, mm-hmm. where they're going to be with their battle um, laptop or their battle and sketch pad from the next idea. Where, uh, do you want to go shout out to any local businesses or local cafes that you would find you at? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, that's, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, so I'm not in that phase at the moment, which no. is difficult. Okay. You know, some, I don't know if it's the same to you, but sometimes you're kind of like doing things on some moment, it's sure. more like, I need the coffee and the laptop yeah. thing. Um, but I think, other than my sofa, which is fantastic, yeah. it's great coffee, yeah. open 24 hours a day. Uh, I love the small batch. Yeah. Love the small batch. Norfolk, Norfolk Square Branch. Yeah. Love you guys. <laughs> which isn't so far from here. Yeah, it's not. Box. No, it's only about five minute walk. Yes, and I live very close to it. Oh, okay. Um, so it's You're really helping the stalkers to deny it. Yeah, you? I really am. Yeah. Like, we've got. Got some things that were stealing, but do you really want it? You, do. No. you don't want it. Mm-hmm. You don't want it. Uh, uh, yeah, I love the 
There's a small batch cafe, which I think it look, at least looks like it used to be a bank. Yes. Um, yeah, it was, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, just, I, love, I love buildings repurposed. Yeah. Um, shout out to uh, anyone who rehearsals space up yeah. in London, oh, yeah. to Delicatessen. Okay. Who, basically, their model seems to be occupying abandoned or in disused uh, office buildings. Yeah. And then, like, you basically, you know, letting out studio space for the sure. companies. Um, which is great. So you're rehearsing the script there, office space, but it's the cheap rehearsal space you're getting on, yeah. and, and they're lovely. Um, but anyway, that, yeah, I love the idea of uh, yeah. um, you know old banks or business being repurposed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Small batch. Um, presuming heads. Nice. Presuming heads. Yes, that's come up in the rooms. Yeah. Which is also uh, cool. an ex bank. Um, oh, there's something in there. There's something in there. there. Uh, my favorite thing about the fact that presuming heads used to be a bank. Is that its door doesn't close properly, or at least it used to not close properly. And so I just found it engaging that a building that used to be high secure, the door will kept on swinging open. Had a folded door. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. I read an interesting about uh, banks that uh, the great renaissance in bank design was uh, a designer uh, uh, making, proposing that the, uh, the front of them should be see through, should be transparent. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know, uh, what's his name? Johnny Depp, a public enemy. Yes. Uh, uh, anyway, he could run into a bank in a, you know, no one knows what's going on. No. But yeah, there's a bank heist going on behind a glass, and if one knows what's going on, you kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Fighting security and yeah. put the safe underground. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> and you, you can uh, write this down. Yeah, Cafe Ross on London. Oh, London. yes, we have heard that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I do like that. Cafe Plenty. There's a nice little um, the London Road. Do you know what? You're the first person uh, that's actually come up with a, a, a healthy, lengthy amount of answers. Really? Yeah. I um, drink too much coffee. Well, <laughs> you know what? It says something about me, really. You know, I tend to do a lot of writing in various coffee shops um, across the city. And so I thought, I always thought this was a great question. I oh. love how people have yeah. Actors were they, and for the most part, they ain't the same. Um, wow. and so, yeah. So, where are they writing? Like, you... well, we're in at home. Uh, okay. um, there's well, the safe is always there, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of restricted. And um, occasionally, um, no, we had one article for the library, um, and occasionally on like hiking you know, with the downs. Really? They, they, they were physically writing. Kind of oh, yeah. outdoor writing! I can't get with that. That's where you've got to be. You have walls around you, right? For that. Well, I, I guess so. Well, I think unless so. you're a Bronte sister, then you can like go for a walk in the, the grass and the hills. Oh. Other than that. Yeah, maybe I should try it. Maybe there's something in it. Yeah. I don't know. Also, uh, this is I've never written there, but they so great pancakes. Nowhere, man. Where's nowhere, man? Um, I forget the road. I always forget the road. It's yeah. Like, do you know the Windmill Pub? Um, the Hampton, that road, Mont, the Montpellier. Okay, yeah. It's like one up from Western Road. I always okay. forget the name. But anyway, they serve great coffee, amazing pancakes, and they start doing tattoos in the basement. So. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hang on. A place that are both tattoos <laughs> and pancakes. Okay, yeah, and they. Um, oh, I have when that business started, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I haven't. I don't know. I can't speak to the quality of the tattoos, no, but no. the pancakes are. I just, I just, I just love the idea of a couple of people sat over some blueberry muffins and going, do you know what could really go for now? A, a, 
A, a, a tattoo. It's funny you should say that. Yeah, because well, just downstairs. What is that place on London Road? Which I can't get there busy. Model, the coffee. Oh, and a hairdresser. Hairdresser and dry cleaning. Isn't that the all those three things? It's like sort of thing that um, uh, the, the main character, Michael Mann, movie, would hang out with. Yeah. Coffee and hairdresser. Oh, I love Michael Mann. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about that then. Um, are there any films uh, at the moment or podcasts that you listen to or TV programs? Well, because you said said you spoke to your son about last night, as well as that. I'm go- <laughs> I really, really love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Ah, yes. Like, I just, I, I just love the whole thing about how that show works, yeah. where it came from, how they operate, and, um, yeah, the story they tell, and just the, I don't know, the sheer joy I think they must yeah. have in making that. I think that's really important. But that, to me, is like a bit of a, <coughs> a, bit of a gold standard. Yeah. You know, that freewheeling kind of, I mean... Yeah, Nightman, fantastic. And it's fascinating, isn't it, for stuff like that that seems to be, or indeed is, freewheeling, but it's still disciplined. It's still, yeah, got rules and regulations. It's yeah. 25 minutes, they work in a bar, they come up with a scheme, see how it plays out. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, but um, it's, it's how they respond to those restrictions as yeah. um, writers and performers. Yeah. It's just brilliant, yeah. I'm going to leave it on that. Yeah. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, so let's talk about it. schemes. And, uh, <laughs> was there a scheme that you came up with as a kid, or an invention, or a book, or a film idea uh, that you had the idea for? You in, did you invent um, disposable beer glasses? And um, I, uh, so me and my friend Chris, we came up with the Matrix about two years before that happened. Oh, just only two years as well. Yeah, it was like really. It was. I mean, unfortunately, we were just out of, you know school yeah so we weren't really didn't really have but okay so the connections to enable that sure. narrative to reach a, the wider audience so of Warner Brothers what do you yeah. mean by what was your idea so uh well I so, said yeah I, I'm thinking about it now but I think I think the central thing was uh basically reality has been no oh, it's yeah, a construct yeah. and everyone really is you know in some kind of uh farm somewhere being plugged in yeah. this uh, projection of reality. Um, so we didn't have the Kung Fu, no. we hadn't cast cannery. No, because it made the failing in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he wouldn't like, I don't know, I mean the fact that we, I don't know, between us got, I don't know, um, five GCSEs, HOE, wasn't yeah. enough. No, I think we got the phone at that point. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that whole, yeah, so that was a bit like, oh, so kind of, there was another, I was talking to someone actually about um, Lucille Ball. Yes. I did a story of her life, and it was just an amazing, amazing um, uh, actor, and she has an amazing life, you know, with the uh, I Love Lucy. Yeah. And, stuff. and I was researching to like maybe do a play about oh, yeah. her. Um, but then Aaron Sorkin. Of course, yes. Yeah, so Doing a biopic of her. I mean, if it was someone else, you might break your chances. Really. Yeah. But you go kind of here and be like, all right. Yeah, he's, he's quite well regarded. Yeah, is he? Yes, yeah, yeah. he um, <laughs> he did. I think the most famous thing he's done is the oh. newsroom. Oh, really? Yeah, one season. Was that one season? Yeah, two actually. Oh, two. Oh, is it three? Last year, three. Oh, okay. Well, if he does anything else, I might feel. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, damn, so yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see that. I hope that happens. Yeah, yeah, no, that has. I mean, and also this concept of being silver is. 
as well regarded in England as in America, which is so iconic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, oh, fascinating story. In, in, in you know, what, uh, you know, in terms of how she sort of engaged the, the system there, you know, at that at that yeah. time in history. Yeah, I remember Thanks. reading about the casting for that, all the possible dream casting for mm. Civil. And I mean, I'm bad for myself by not remembering who they afforded for the seal, and also for um, uh, Debbie. Um, but yeah, there's some really strong ideas for who would play those two roles. Um, but yes, annoyingly and frustratingly, I'm not going to provide you that information. Oh, okay, great. Well, that's getting someone to cruise all Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So it, it's been uh, fascinating to talk to you. Uh, I feel like uh, we've not even been able to scratch the surface of. Um, what we could talk about, and uh, you talk, you have spoken briefly about the next three things, uh, you know, three projects that are possibly looming over the horizon, and so we we wait to hear exciting things about what they might be. Um, will they be this year, or do will they now? Uh, so holding back for next year. Well, just a quick plug. Uh, yeah, Broken Silences. Uh, we're actually uh, opening a new show on Sunday. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, um, a play called Tremors. is written by Tim Cook, who's our yeah. artistic director. Um, this is about a Labour politician who gets involved in a political scandal and has to return home and face um, some, uh, uh, yes, difficult history he has there. So that opens at the King's Head um, in Islington on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we also have, with, we have a new, another new play by Tim Cook, uh, that's uh, opening at the Jack Studio in Brockpool. Yeah. Um, it's called Adam and Eve. Okay. Uh, so that's, yeah, so that's the end of summer. And then who knows beyond that? Other things. Well, who knows? Other uh, exciting announcements. We shall uh, listen, give you shout outs on the podcast. Um, and it's going to be a delightful Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkey. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore iron acts, on Facebook, ironclad cast iron, all one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Michelle. Thank you so much for downloading the latest episode of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. Now, we at Cast Iron Theatre will be sending our show Cacophony to Edinburgh this summer. If you're in Edinburgh, come and see our show. It stars the magnificent Heather Rose Andrews in a physical theatre and mime extravaganza. Do pop along, come and say hello. We'd love to meet you. But if you can't get to Edinburgh, you can still help. Pop onto Facebook, like the Cacophony page, and also on that page you will see a link to our Indiegogo account where we are raising funds to make Cacophony more amazing. So that's our Indiegogo.com Cacophony Edinburgh Fringe fundraiser. Get involved, send us your emails, download the podcast, come and see our shows. And if you can, help us to fundraise for Cacophony and pick up some fabulous perks. We really appreciate it. Thank you.